Oh, we have arrived. Week one. Finally have made it. Uh, welcome to week one. This is the 2023 NFL show powered by BetUS. I'm your humble host, Jared Smith. Please, before we do anything else, please like, subscribe, or smash, as the kids say, that like button. Um, and you'll get all of the videos as we go through the season from our YouTube channel, of course. Uh, this is the first of many with these two fine gentlemen as my uh, co-host. Let's first start with Las Vegas. Chris, the returning champion of this show, of course, he was here last year with Steve and I being now the newcomers. And week one, really good for you, Chris. Six and two last year in week one. And overall, almost 55% with your selection. So welcome back for your uh, uh, return engagement here on the BetUS show. It's great to be working with both of you this year. It's, I'm just very excited about it. And I can't believe all summer long, it seemed like the summer's dragging. We're waiting for the season to get here. And I gotta be honest, now I'm like, wait, wait, hold on. I'm not ready. I'm still getting my act together here. So I don't know. There's something funky going on in the air with me this week. Well, always uh, funky in terms of getting his act together is the one and only Steve Fezzik, of course, the only two-time champion of the Las Vegas uh, Hilton Super Contest and only available at pregame.com. Mr. Fezzik, it is great to join you again this week. It's contest sign-up week also, so it's a madhouse where I just put in my season wins picks at the Westgate, and now I got to be playing at Circa and Westgate. It's um, it's probably the busiest week of the year in terms of just having to you know go out and do all these administrative things. It's a new week. It's a new routine. And that's been my biggest anxiety and struggle this week is just getting into that new routine of football. We've had a little taste of it over the last couple of weeks, really this past Saturday with college football. But the NFL is a different beast. And that's why this show exists. That's why we are just overly, overly thrilled to be with you this season. Uh, before we dive into the nitty gritty, of course, we are giving away a tough truck here on BetUS. Um, and this is the time where I remind you that one of us will have a golden ticket and it is be uh, incumbent on you uh, the viewers to guess which one of us has it. Of course, we're celebrating our 30th season with uh, the iconic giveaway. You can win one tough truck uh, from the hardest working and longest running sports book in the U.S. Just go to betus.com slash tough truck for more info. Uh, but again, it's it's all interactive here on the show. So one of us will have the golden ticket and you um, as viewers have to guess and of course put it in the chat and and later on in the show after we get to all the selections um we will reveal who is the golden ticket holder and that will get you one entry into the tough truck giveaway all right now is the usual time in the show when we get into the meat of the season when i will go over last year's betting records but of course there are no betting records yet because we have a clean slate so instead i'm going to ask these gentlemen a trivia question and it is obviously going to be um you know focused on what we're going to be talking about this week but also betting related obviously because that's what we do here on the show so i'll call this question the theme is is the trend your friend and I'm asking for a over or under 55% on the win rate against the spread for underdogs in week one over the last 10 seasons. It's a, sim it's a true or false answer. Over or under 55%. This is week one underdogs against the spread over the last decade. Chris, I will start with you. Over or under 55%. I will go with over. Steve? I too will go with over, but I think it's a trick, a little bit of a trick question. Yeah. It's such a high number. There's no way it can be under. You wouldn't be asking it otherwise. I'll go over. 
See, this is why I can never fool these guys because their instincts are correct. The number is really high, 55%, right? If you're hitting 55% through the course of the season, you're feeling great. Um, but I wouldn't have asked it unless it was over because it's a trend, right? It's all about the trend. The correct answer is over. 56.1%. This is week one underdogs against the spread over the last 10 seasons. 87, 68, and four. And I'll even take it a step further. So divisional underdogs in that span, 35, 15, and one against the spread. That's 70%. That's divisional underdogs week one, home or away, over the last decade. Does that trend ring any bells for some of our selections this week? Chris, I'll start with you on that rebuttal and follow-up. Well, I think, uh, you know, coming into the season, you have to actually respect trends like this. Uh, a lot of trends that, you know, you hear throughout the course of the season, you know what, you got to, you know, take them with a grain of salt. But week one type material uh, that's like kind of a stable thing from year to year which i think has some sort of stability and dependency on and, and generally i think you can kind of use it as a tool uh, that can lead you in the right direction you have to respect the trends in this case just because of the year to year consistency and the situations and the logic that backs it up why those results happen in such a way and part of the reason that this happens is that when do we get a large amount of public money that, in many ways, that tsunami of public money can dwarf the pro money? Well, people have been waiting all summer to bet. Are they going to bet minus four or plus four? You know, they're going to play the favorites, all things being equal. So you're already seeing it like the Ravens went up to minus 10. The Jaguars went up to minus five. And you know on that Sunday night football game, like the line's been three all summer and it's leaking up to three and a half. So you're getting bargains. But remember, we're grading all this against the closing number and the closing mm -hmm. number tends to be higher than what it was midsummer. Look no further than a very mediocre Washington team. They're probably going to be laying seven and a half by the time this game kicks off or even eight. Um, okay. We don't want to bet on, on Arizona, but do we really want to ever lay eight points with Washington? No. That's a great point. Closing number is what all of these trends are usually based off of because it's it's very hard to kind of predict where the number is going to be in the middle. It fluctuates a lot. But the closing number tends to be a little bit more toward juice towards the favorites in week one, as Steve alluded to. I haven't seen a bit when I was looking back through the trends over the years in week one, haven't seen a definitive over or under trend. It's been pretty flat. Unders leading 51.5% in that span. Again, not a huge uh, discrepancy there on either side. But last year in week one, unders went 11 and five. So again, recency bias, short sample, but just giving you the uh, the data there. And I, I think, I don't know if you guys agree, yes or no, I think week one's the hardest week of all 18 in the regular season to bet. Do you agree, Chris? It, 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 it's, it's the week that is the most fearful other than the last week for me. Uh, mm -hmm. Somehow I do well. Uh, maybe it's because I know I have to work that much harder. I don't have my models, which I depend on, which don't kick in until weeks, you know, around four or so. So I'm at a disadvantage there. So basically just going off of information, uh, track record history, some of the trends and situations that uh, we spoke of. And it, it takes a more, you have to come in at each game in a lot of different angles 
uh, and it forces you to really get a good understanding of each game. So sometimes I have pretty good results, but it's the most fearful because it's the most unknown with the widest variance. So I could write a book on this. Week one is the easiest week to profit. All right, but, all right, caveat. Why? Because I've Bar had high five, for the picks this week, Steve. I've had five <laughs> months to bet week one. So True. I've got really good bets that, it, well, with CLV closing line value, I've got the Packers plus three. Yeah, I've got the Lions plus seven because I can bet every day during the summer and pick off week numbers. Now, for my betting during any one week before the games start, I agree. It's I think it's the hardest week because these numbers have basically been you know, smashed into place all summer long and maybe the most profitable situation this Sunday overreaction on favorites and playing dogs makes a lot of sense to me. And, and, and I think that is an interesting caveat. And unfortunately we won't be able to dive into that during this show, how the market reacts to Sunday afternoon games heading into the prime times is always an interesting, I'll call it a bonus round of the market analysis, but let's get into the games uh, as they stand currently, of course, as Steve alluded to, and it's it's actually the first thing, the first notation of my game preview section here in the rundown. It says the key thing, I'll just read it verbatim because again, transparency. The key thing to remember here, most of these lines open in May. The market has been chewed into more than the Detroit style pizza Chris is going to order for us after the show. That is literally how I wrote it in my notes uh, <laughs> for our next section as we get into the bet previews. Of course, all the odds can be found on BetUS. And we're going old school rotation style numbers. So we'll go in order of the rotation number. Uh, very excited to dive into what should be a very interesting game Thursday night. And the market in this game has moved, I don't want to say dramatically, but it's definitely reacted this week to a lot of the Travis Kelsey buzz. So this side open Chiefs minus seven. And again, we've seen movement towards the road underdog this week with the Travis Kelsey injury news. Total was 54 uh, with movement towards the under this week. And that movement has accelerated. Now we're seeing about 52 and a half um, in the market. So it, neither of us have a selection on this game. Chris, I'll start with you. Kelsey right now, basically what the market's telling us is worth two, maybe two and a half points to the spread, but maybe only one or one and a half points on the total. Does that make sense? Does the move post-Kelsey injury with his status in doubt with the knee uh, make sense uh, in your numbers? Well, I think that uh, coordinated with uh, the realization that Jones won't be playing also. So it's it's kind of a double whammy there. all you know, uh, full disclosure, I'm a diehard Lions fan, so I cannot be uh, objective here. Uh, fortunately, my model overcomes those uh, hometown uh, feelings throughout the season. So that's one of the reasons why I can't bet on this game. But if I was, believe it or not, I actually think the Lions can win this game. Kelsey would be a Lion killer. The, the Lions do not fare well against a tight end of his caliber. I mean, they would have just really had – they're, they're going to have far fewer opportunities to really grind it down uh, Detroit's throat, I think, because I think he would have ran wild potentially and uh, opened up the outside for passing and stuff too. So I, I just think that uh, Ben Johnson's got that offense exactly where he wants it. He has the schemes all laid out. He doesn't need a full roster of full superstars. They've got one of the best offensive lines in football. They're going to be able to move the ball. And Kansas City, they, they don't have their stuff together. Now, we know they, they've scored 
on average, I think close to 33, 34 points a game since 2015, uh, game one out of the year, out of the gate. And Reed is always prepared with rest. So that's kind of scary. I just think the culture's changed in Detroit. I don't, I'm not buying the Lion Kool-Aid. I honestly believe the Lions have the scheme and a change of culture where they, they can believe they can get there. We're going to know real fast, though, because it, if the moment is too big for them, we're going to know that early, too. A lot going on with this game. Let's break down the injuries. There are, I believe, 66 players, and don't ask me to list them, Jared, that are worth non-quarterbacks that are worth more than half a point <laughs> in the point spread. So it, the, the, the movement in this game is all about these injuries. So... Basically, Casey was laying 6.75 during the summer, 6.5 to 7. Jones is out. He's worth almost a point. Kelsey, is, if he's out, is worth like one and a quarter points of the cumulative effect. Well, now we're down to four and a half. So that, so that got us there. Uh, be careful with the Lions. Uh, they did not play golf you know, during the preseason. And there's been some strong trends. I want to attribute this to Cleve T.A. Uh, tweeted this that um, teams that where their quarterback doesn't play at all, their starting quarterback during preseason, massively underperform on offense week one. I'm going to list all nine of these these teams real quickly. Detroit, Baltimore, Cincy, Minnesota, Tennessee, Chargers, Eagles, Rams, Cowboys. So be cautious about the offensive output and betting overs with any of those teams. Um, we may see Detroit come out uh, a little bit rusty, struggling early on in this game. Um, so, and we've, we've seen this total. So the, the initially the wise guys bet over and now all the money's been on the under, but that's really the fact that Kelsey is so important. It's, you know, you put Kelsey on another team, he might not be worth a point and a quarter, but since the cheetah left, he's so critical to that offense. Yeah. yeah I, that, that's I, I, a good point. Steve said something extremely important uh, as you know, following the lions, it is a concern of mine that they really didn't play a lot of starters in this preseason. Uh, and if they get, you know, if they're slow out of the gate, that's going to be a concern for me uh, as well. And then uh, one prediction, I think it breaks the all-time NFL record for Thursday night NFL viewership. Let's see if that happens. Yeah, I I, is, I think the Lions, besides maybe the Bears, which is ironic, there's been so much buzz in the offseason about this Detroit team. Uh, and rightfully so. I, I think when you ask me what I want with a team that's, preseason love is the battery of offensive coordinator and quarterback both in sync and both excited to return and, and improve on a good year last year and that's Detroit has that it's always been the defense if the defense takes a step forward Aaron Glenn as a Jets fan for years I've watched him get toasted in bump and run coverage the Lions want to play they play the most man coverage in the league they they they, they want to get up in your face they didn't have the personnel to do that in the secondary last year well they went out and they traded for camp Sutton and and, and they got you know gardner johnson and and you know they added some pieces in the secondary that i think if those pieces can hold up that's that that's gonna put um them in a good spot in this game here's what scares me about back in the lines in this game patrick mahomes is still playing for the chiefs here's his numbers week one as a starter 1500 these are only there's only five games by the way 1500 yards 18 touchdowns no picks as a starter in week one it might be six games but regardless zero interceptions in week one in his entire career he just 
Uh, when the moment is big, he, he just finds a way to continue to play. So no wagers for us on this game uh, officially, but I, I think there's a little bit of a healthy disagreement on, 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 on the side. And I think the movement is certainly keeping us uh, with, our, with our head on a swivel with this one. All right, let's move to the Sunday early window. Panthers and Falcons. Um, Atlanta opened at three. Saw a little bit, just a slight movement there towards the home favorite off the key number there. Total open 43, and we saw a pretty big move there towards the under. Um, now down to 39 and a half. And, and I'm curious, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll give you first crack here because you, you do think Carolina is, is, is worthy of a play there at the three and a hook. Do you think this movement um, off of the three scares you at all? Or, or, or do you think, you know, you're on the right side of this one? Um, this is this is a play I, I'm probably I haven't bet this yet, but I'm making it an official play on the show. Uh, because I intend to bet this one. I'm not, uh, but, uh, and it's, it's basically for simple reasons and it's situational. It's, it's divisional. Uh, it's the equity of the non-playoff situation teams facing each other. And, uh, I'm not buying Ritter yet. Uh, I, I think that these teams are a little closer than people think that they are. And anything over a field goal in this matchup, in my opinion, is value. So uh, in past history, it shows its value. I have trends that are not, you know, I have data points that are over 60% in this situation for a lot of games. So uh, that's the primary reason I'm going to be on this game. Yeah, so I went ahead and made the game pretty much where the spread is. I will say I did bet Atlanta back during the summer again at better numbers. If Atlanta was a good bet at 53% minus three, now they've become a bad bet at 48% yeah. minus three and a half. And you know what? And Carolina suddenly starts looking attractive at three and a half up to four. I cannot shake having watched young play in preseason. Now I get it. Some of that was with second stringers on the O-line, but he looked completely unready to lead a football team. We see that with the total that got smashed all the way down to 39 and a half. If you didn't want to get at the under, and I agree with that, this isn't a play for me, you might want to look first half because you can still get a 20 with a little extra vig. Under 20 first half, probably a much safer bet than game under 39 and a half, especially wouldn't surprise me. Somebody throws a, doesn't throw a pick six, whoever's behind in the fourth quarter when they have to be more desperate. Yeah, those uh, those fourth quarter uh, crazy games endings, and I'm sure we'll get plenty of them. The witching hour, as we like to call it, um, those will uh, kill your unders. I, I, it's it, the one thing I've noticed in the market. And again, you guys have your your finger on the pulse of the market much better, especially back in the summer. But the one thing I've noticed recently, let's say from preseason on. It's been the fading of the rookie quarterbacks, and I've seen numbers move against Carolina and Houston and Indy pretty consistently uh, since those quarterbacks were kind of unveiled. And we saw, well, eh, maybe Bryce Young's a little physically overmatched here. Maybe, you know, Anthony Richardson's not quite the polish that we need to read the defenses, et cetera, et cetera. And, and of course, C.J. Stroud, I, I honestly think he might be the best of the bunch uh, in terms of early success. But we'll certainly see a lot of volatility with these rookie quarterbacks, but we've seen the number move steadily against them. Um, but Chris is not deterred. Uh, he's given out Carolina plus three and a half. It's our first official play on the show, and it's going to be Bryce Young's first start. 
Um, so certainly some synergy there. Um, as we move forward, speaking of another rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud and company, tough start for them. You want to ask me where is the most difficult place to make your first career start as a rookie quarterback? It's in Baltimore against the Ravens, who are probably going to be hungry um, after a disappointing end to last season. This one opened a big favorite, obviously, Baltimore. I opened around 9.5, 10. It's kind of still sitting there. Uh, total open 44 and a half above that key of 44 and, and we've seen it move down now sitting there at 43 and a half. Um, and again, I do see a lot of sharp money fading the rookie quarterbacks, but I, I guess I'll open this with you, Steve, because I'm curious on the totals department, 44 and a half to 43 and a half. I know on paper that doesn't seem like a big move, but key of 44 is a pretty big uh, threshold to cross. Yeah. So the 44 hits enough that it's worth like almost 10 cents, not quite. So if I you say, oh, there's no real difference under 43 and a half versus under 44 and a half, I'd say, well, it's like playing under 44 and a half, lay a dollar 26. You want to try to win laying a dollar 26? You're like, well, no, I can lay a dollar 10. Well, yeah, but then you lose when it lands 44. I do think this number is getting a little out of control. I mean, the Ravens have a new offense. They got some really yeah. neat looking toys now with Zay Flowers coming in a wide receiver and OBJ and... But, you know, if Army or Navy tells you they're going to throw the ball a whole lot more, I got to see it um, until I'm going to buy into them, like, winning by double digits. So at 10, I would lean Houston. You know what? It goes to 10 and a half, which it may. You know, yeah. we've got this 56% dog trend. You give me double digits and 10 and a half, then I would be on Houston. Is there anything for you here? You know, uh, don't forget, we not only have the rookie quarterback, we have the rookie coaching staff. So... Point. Uh, you're talking about a double whammo here, and 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 frankly, uh, that season wins total was pretty high, six and a half uh, for much of the the summer. It was up there for a reason. Houston actually has a lot of good players. They yeah. have potential to pull it together later on. I think coming out of the gate is asking way too much for them to be able to do it now. Uh, there, I do like Baltimore a lot in this situation. I think. Uh, uh, they're going to have a little sputtering issue, possibly, but they do have a history of starting off game ones in good shape. I feel confident using Baltimore in, in any money line parlays that you feel compelled to make. Uh, maybe not at minus 500, but I think that line's going to come down. And if you, you get down to that minus 400, 425 range, uh, you can consider throwing them, then, them in. But for gosh sakes, don't lay minus 10 in this game. This is a horrible, horrible trend uh, for favorites over uh, nine plus points are three and ten against the spread. It's just it, they're not going to cover. I think Baltimore wins this game. I don't think that they cover. Jared, I do need to address the, the whole money line parlay. With, sure. with, and if base winner is listening, he does an outstanding job with the MLB show and he's kicking butt winning with his money line parlays. And mathematically, as long as you're getting the best number with two different games on the money line, it's fine to put them together. Pros mm -hmm. don't like these big money lines together. And here's why. One, I can't shop for the best number. So all of a sudden I'm playing a, a compromised money line on the second game because if yeah. two different shops have different money lines, I don't get the best. And I can't bet size properly. So by example, if I do a money line with uh, Washington, with Baltimore, 
Um, well, if Baltimore wins, now I have a bigger bet on Washington. But if they yeah. lose, I have no bet on Washington. So it, it it doesn't make any sense in terms of Kelly criteria. And I want to like to the nearest penny calculate my optimal bet size. And it's all contingent upon whether the first game wins. If I'm even betting on the second game, and that's why you know pros shy away. I will say on this game, no secret. I used to be part of betting syndicates, and I ran them. If you walked up and you told me like I'm playing a money line. I'm Baltimore. I'm like, what am I paying you for? You had all summer to to tease that nine down to two and a half. You, you yeah. we we should have we should have a portfolio. And I know it's too late, and I apologize for that. But you might have a book ticked down to nine and a half. If so, then that seven point teaser becomes attractive. You know what I really like at BetUS? Very competitive teaser prices. They're six yes. point teasers minus one twenty. Here in my town, in Vegas, sports betting capital of the world, maybe not, not for teasers. Most of the shops are charging minus 130 now, and for the six and a half point, minus 140. So, bet US very competitive, um, top notch teaser prices. Love it. Teasers, I, do want to, for sure. I do want to interject. Yeah. I love parlays. I use them, and I don't have a problem bet sizing, and I don't have a problem if the different, le- if the front legs uh, lose, because I always space them out by time. You don't parlay same time events you don't tease same time events it allows you to reset the back ends and the bet sizing issue is actually the opposite of what you said it allows you to risk less on something you're betting later on anyway i i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna come over the top one more time we're gonna be done with this if the (laughs) games aren't at the same time i'm gonna disagree and that's great, you know, because smart people will disagree. And I, I talked to my buddy, A.J. Hoffman, about MMA fighting. He does this all the time. He parlays a minus 280 and minus 320. But if the lines aren't going to move, why would you even bother parlaying? Just bet it. It's going to win or lose. You're going to get your money back into your accounts. And then you can just make the second leg and wager whatever you want based upon what wage size you want. You don't have to, like, indiscriminately just throw it into a parlay and then you're locked in because unless you're going golfing and you're not and, and you want to get your bets and then it makes sense but if you're working all day you know you can just make the decision 5 minutes before that that, that second leg starts but it, it it allows me to risk less on that second uh, uh, event than I would if I bet them separately well I would argue I would argue you're essentially once that $100 minus 500 cashes you're you're really risking 1200 because I know it's tied up in the parlay, but but you have a paper win already that you're you're wagering. So I understand. Okay. All right, that's it. The parlay conversation. I'm official. I'm officially breaking up. It's like the it's like Mills Lane in the ring, breaking up the two combatants so we can continue with the fight. All right. Uh, no official plays for Texans Ravens, but uh, let's leave it at this. I'm in a multitude of suicide pools here in town and elsewhere. I will be using the Ravens in several of them this week. Um, all right, Bengals and Browns, another AFC North. This one, the AFC North matchup of the week, the only divisional matchup of the week in this division, and it's a doozy. Um, I'll call it Cincinnati two and a half, but I'll be honest, this line's been really fluid all year and really all summer uh, because of the Joe Burrow injury. And in fact, it flipped at one point. Cleveland was a very slight favorite um, in the in the immediate days after that Joe Burrow preseason injury and now we've kind of settled back to that opening line of Cincinnati minus two and a half total 48 ticked down to 47 and a half again when the borough news happened we saw a little bit of fluctuation but for the most part the total is pretty much exactly where it was when it opened we have not seen significant movement uh, I so Chris you are kind of on this game in, in in the form of a teaser so I'll give you first crack but to me this matches so many trends first of all the underdogs divisional underdogs and 
I'll take it one step further, uh, and our pal Ralph Michaels uh, tweeted this out over the summer. Home divisional underdogs, 15-1 and against the spread since 2012. That is the Cleveland Browns this week. It, I would love a three. I'm sure everyone out there would love a three with Cleveland. But if we can't get a three, Chris, we can tease this number through both keys, and that might give us a little bit of value on the Browns. Yeah, I, this fits a lot of different criteria, obviously. The, uh, the vanilla home, or, you know, the vanilla underdog, home underdog, divisional home underdog. Uh, it, 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 it checks a lot of boxes, and it, it particularly checks uh, a teaser leg section at an extremely high level. Uh, so considering, I, you know, I'm looking at a two and a half on Cleveland, I want to get involved in this game. Uh, I'd feel much better recommending getting involved in a teaser leg on this situation, taking it up over the touchdown. I want to get over that eight. Uh, and I'd rather do that if I'm going to make one wager on this game. And I'm going to tie that into a game that we're going to talk about later uh, at, that starts at a different time, of course. But uh, uh, that's why I want to bet it that way. Now, personally, my betting is going to be a little different, a little money line, a little spread. Uh, but if, if there's if there's one bet on this game I like is it's a first leg teaser option. I think Chris is directionally spot on on how he's approaching this. As are you, Jared? That basically we want Cleveland. We're feeling like oh, when Burrow's like out there and the cameras are on him and he's not limping around, the public's going to bet Cincy, and we'd love to get that three. But it wouldn't surprise me if this spread doesn't go down because I do think Cleveland's the right side at two and a half. And if I can't get the three and starts dropping, I certainly will, will be with Chris and we'll be teasing Cleveland with him. So I think that's a very sharp play. Um, I do want to mention with teasers. So historically we tease anything. One, This is in the book, Sharp Sports Betting, Stanford Wong. Go ahead and get it. Math geeks will love it and explain yep. the math behind teasing. And we tease, doesn't matter home or road, plus one abs, plus twos, plus two and abs up six points. But one thing that's changed in the NFL, the number eight, the incident of eight landing has become mm -hmm. much more common. And the reason yes. being is that the Philadelphia Eagles finally used fifth grade math and figured out that when you're down 14 late in the game and you score a touchdown, I won't go into all the details. It's just correct. It's correct to go for two. And if you get two touchdowns and your opponent gets none the rest of the game, you're going to win and you're equal teams. You're going to win 62 and a half percent of the time. And that's better than kicking the extra point twice and winning 50% of the time. Go ahead and do the decision tree at home. Um, so a lot of the other NFL teams and all the analytics teams have finally figured this out. So the, the majority of NFL teams are doing all this. Well, guess what? So seven lands less often and six and eight land more often. So if um, if you have the Browns teased at seven and a half instead of eight and a half, if the spread goes down and they're down 14, and they got a touchdown. When they're going for two, don't start screaming. Why would they go for two here? That's crazy. No, it's it's the correct play. So locking in an eight and a half suddenly becomes a much more important number with your teasers. Well, I mean, we've had a slight uptick on the one and the two landing also. Yes. So if you're, if you're, it's another part of the equation you have to take into effect, you know, if you're going down and you're only getting down to that two and a half nowadays. So that to me, Baltimore at nine and a half, uh, taking it down to two and a half isn't as attractive as it used to be a few years ago. Agreed. I, I, I like the the underdog sides of teasers a little bit more as to what, um you know, Chris alluded to. Because also, if you're playing favorite side of teasers, sometimes the money line parlay option actually pays out better than the teasers do these days, which is, again, a little bit more of, a, of an indictment on the teaser pricing structure than it is on anything else. 
but the underdog uh, side of the teaser, the Wong side of it, uh, the you know going through both keys on the on the plus side, I think is a, is especially divisional dogs week one. I mean, if you're ever gonna tease dogs week one through both keys is the time to do it because that has been a a clearly pronounced trend. I I could see Cincinnati struggling here, and if you want to get into the X's and O's of this game, it, I think. Watson's a wild card for me, and that's why this is a tough bet at its face value. And and that's that's the whole reason that I'm not – even if we do get a, a three with the Browns, I'm not going to be you know running over man, woman, and child to sprint to the window to get it because I, I can see some volatility with Watson in his first real game week one with this new team. And we saw a little bit of it last year. I mean, it wasn't great, frankly. Um, and then you have the Bengals who have struggled historically in week one, at least with this Burrow era – but then get better throughout the course of the season. And they know that, and they probably want to address that. And so I, I just, I could see some volatility with this game, but I, I do think that the, the plus side of the market's definitely the side I, I want to be on. All right, let's move on to another divisional game that matches the home divisional underdog trend that we were just discussing. It's the Jags and the Colts. Um, this open Jacksonville three and a half, I would say pretty considerable movement there towards the road favorite. Um, total open 43 and a half and some movement there to the over. I'm curious, and Chris, I'll start with you because you do have a play on this game. Anthony Richardson is a is just he's such a good kid, and he's so easy to root for. I was reading stories this week how literally the Colts have to kick him out of the facility because he's signing autographs and he's studying tape and he's trying to get up to speed. But what it feels like to me, and and the character side is great. He's he's a great kid, but. It feels like he's the kid that kind of, you know, I'm behind on my homework and I need to catch up. He didn't have a lot of starts in college, didn't have a lot of passing attempts in college. Now he is the starting quarterback of an NFL franchise week one rookie year. That is a tough ask, but you think there's maybe a little bit of upside value with Richardson starting in this game for the Colts? Yeah, I think it's a, it's obviously a very difficult uh, spot to be in. And the reason, obviously there's, you know, you've got those home underdog division, the, the nonsense trends that I don't necessarily follow for a week one uh, wager. But, you know, let's throw in this series. Every time these two teams face each other, it, it's always the unexpected result. When you expect one team to roll, the other team all of a sudden it, it, it just looks like a world beater. And, and it's just been a tradition between these two teams. So uh, it, it's just like you have a new quarterback every year for Indianapolis. You're having a lot of high expectations on Jacksonville this year. They they finished six games better than the year before, and they've all been an anointed divisional champions before the season has already started. So uh, it's it, it's not out of the question that they start off a little flat. And there was some energy in preseason there in Indianapolis uh, in that uh, dome. And I think that they're going to bring it week one, and you're going to get some energy out of them. You're going to get some uh, good intention. And I just see that there's more things that can go wrong for the Jags, uh, possibly. And when you're talking about that home team getting, you know, five points, I couldn't possibly look at Jacksonville's way. Wouldn't surprise me if Jacksonville rolled them, but I have to be on the cold side here. Yeah, I'll concur. That's the side I'm looking towards, even though I don't like what I saw from any of the rookie quarterbacks. And Jared's yeah. right. Money has come against Carolina, Indy, and Houston in week one and in the season win markets in terms of VIG. Uh, no one's talking about the O-line for Jacksonville. Their best lineman's out for four weeks. Yeah. He's not going to be back till week five. This team started very slowly last year. It sure looks like this is a game that could easily be a 20 to 17 type of game. One thing I want to caution everyone, there are some, 
items of betting that are just mathematically correct and incorrect. And so in terms of teasing, never tease. I'm going to use the word never, never, never tease a five, a five and a half or a six point favorite. And here's why. When you're teasing them, essentially, they just have to win the game. But each leg of a teaser, you're actually laying minus 280. It's like, so if you're teasing a five or six point favorite, it's like playing the money line minus 280. Well, you can play the money line minus 220. Last time I checked, minus 220 is a lot cheaper than minus 280. So whatever you do, the the one big mistake to make in this game, it would be to tease Jacksonville versus just playing them on the money line. But I agree with Chris. I'll lean to uh, the home underdog. Yeah, I'll close with the O-line because when, when I did my offseason notes on Jacksonville, that's literally the first thing I mentioned. O-line could be a weakness again. They were 31st in pass block win rate last year. Of course, you got the Robinson suspension. So he's not going to play the first four games of the year, not just in this game, but the first four games. And they lost their right tackle, Juwan Taylor, in in free agency. And they brought him and they brought in a rookie who actually they traded back in the draft twice for kid out of Oklahoma, who I, again, I we discussed this on the show. I think it was last week, but offensive lineman development can be a struggle uh, in the in the college to NFL game because a lot of these colleges play these weird fluky air raid offenses, which Oklahoma does. And you're asking him to be the starting right tackle game one. And when your left tackle is out, it's just it, it could be a that that could be the big bugaboo for the Jags this year is that offensive line. And and I, I trust Peterson. I trust Lawrence. But when you're following along and we will this Jacksonville team who's odds on to win the division and there's a big glaring hole up front. That could be an interesting uh, uh, thing to watch. All right. Let's move on because uh, we do have Chris uh, on the Colts in this game uh, catching five. Uh, no plays for Steve or myself, so that will conclude the uh, the home divisional underdog portion uh, of the show. Although, <laughs> when we get to game time on Sunday, we might have another one. We'll get to that a little later. But first, let's go to the Bucks and the Vikings. Uh, we're still in the early window on Sunday here. This open Minnesota minus seven. We have seen just a little bit of slight movement there towards the road dog. Uh, as we see it now, a plus six total open 45 and a half slight move there to the over and then back down. It really looked like the total uh, was going up a little bit, but now it's kind of a reverse course. Um, and I guess that makes sense because to me, the Vikings offensive line is a big concern and so is the defense. So I, I'm not really sure what to make of this Vikings team at this point. Um, and, and how does Brian Flores' new scheme take effect? Offensive line, to me, it's all about Kirk Cousins and keeping him healthy. I saw in that Netflix documentary, Steve, that uh, he was in a lot of pain throughout the course of the season. And if there's one thing that might be uncertain for me this year is the offensive line of Minnesota might not give him a whole lot of time to throw. I love the uh, that Netflix quarterback, and, and it seemed like every week they'd ask Cousins, are you okay? And he'd say, no, I'm hurt. <laughs> You know what they holding the he's holding his ribs. It looks like you know Apollo Creed just got like smashed by Rocky every week. Um, yeah, you're not stop. You're not stopping nothing. I'm finishing this game. Um, six seems way too high. I know the Vikings won all these close games. Well, if they win a close game, they still don't cover here. And Tampa is a team that is kind of the poster child for a team I want to fade late in the year. A team that you know won a Super Bowl, was a contender is probably going to collapse later on, but they're going to be playing hard. Their veterans are going to be playing hard to start the year. This sure looks like a close game to me. I'm going to do a, a heavy lean to Tampa Bay here. I could only lean that direction. I could only lean Tampa Bay's direction. I, I cannot see myself getting involved in this game under any circumstances. Uh, I think I don't, I'm not convinced Minnesota's as good as they were last year. Uh, and 
I'm not sure which direction Tampa, Tampa Bay could be really pesty this entire season. So uh, it, it's, it, it's not like they're going to be doormats, I don't think. So uh, I think it's just one of those ones that we can uh, just sit out on. I agree on the not being a doormat because I think their defense has punch to it, right? It got some life there. Um, it's all about Baker Mayfield and how he adapts to this new system. It didn't help that their starting center got placed on IR before the season even started. Um, and I don't think Ryan Jensen, I hope he's doing okay. I don't think he's ever going to play a snap in the NFL again, based on the reports we were reading. I believe it was his knee. Um, so you're already down to your backup center with a new quarterback. Of course, Tom Brady's, you got the butt sand there in Tampa Bay that he retired on. People are selling that on eBay for thousands of bucks. Uh, but he's not going to be playing this year, at least not from what I've heard. Uh, we'll see if that changes. It feels like every week he's doing a new commercial where he's hinting on he's playing again. But I don't think he's actually going to step up onto a field. So it's going to be Baker Mayfield or maybe Kyle Trask if he falters. So the quarterback situation is where the Bucks, uh, uh team offers the most volatility this year. But to Chris's point, I, I think the fact that they're not going to be a doormat defensively means that they're going to be in a lot of these games. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't want to lay him with Minnesota after what we saw last year, especially first game sight unseen with a brand new defense i'm optimistic on brian flores but i'm not ready to put my money on him just yet all right let's move on because no official plays in the uh bucks vikings the saints this year this game opened new orleans minus three and a half it's kind of been hovering between uh three and four all summer right now you're gonna have to pay five cents if you do want to lay three with new orleans total open 42 slight move down there 41 to me it's the titans offensive line guys that's the biggest concern on their side of the ledger I think the Saints as we alluded to might be one of those teams that we're kind of overlooking because we don't necessarily know what we're going to get with Derek Carr but a lot of the other intangibles I would say with New Orleans are there they've got a great home field advantage they've got a good defense I think their coach is average and I think the weapons are maybe average to slightly above average but it's all about how we feel about the quarterback Steve I'll give you first crack with this game Titan Saints kind of sitting at a flat three all, all all summer long might be bet on versus bet on, which means I have to pass here. I right. do think Derek Carr is going to be very good. Um, Saints with that cupcake schedule. I think they and Atlanta could both potentially have breakout years and win double digits. Um, but I can't get past the fact the Titans won 12, had home field throughout the playoffs before all those interceptions against the Bengals. Then they won 11, and then they were 7-3 and three before all the injuries last year. So... Uh, at three and a half, I would certainly have preferred the Titans. And if I preferred the Titans at three and a half, there's no way I'm going to like the Saints with only a half point correction at three. Uh, I'll pass the game. I think so. I think Steve summarized it perfectly. Uh, yeah. These are two bet on teams uh, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, you've got those, you know, quote, week one trends that say uh, Tennessee's the play here for a variety of reasons uh, at a high level. But this is what I'm going to pass following those metrics because of various reasons. I have a lot of confidence uh, uh, in the Saints, but I want to see both of these teams in action because I think Tennessee can be sneaky good also. Uh, let's see what we can learn uh, after, you know, by watching this matchup is the way I view it. I, I agree. I, I think the fact that too, and not to read too much into the market analysis and timing, but it always intrigues me when a game kind of is hovering around three and it goes three and a half, three, three and a half, three. And it just, it, it does feel like there is very strong opinions on both sides here. 
and the number between three and three and a half is going to be what tilts you to one side or the other. And to me, that means you have healthy disagreement, probably better options on the board for you, especially week one, when we want to be maybe a little bit more conservative or fearful, as Chris said, with our bankroll, because we really have no idea what these teams are at this point until they actually play a freaking game. All right, let's move on. Niners and Steelers, because uh, we have no official plays on the Titans and Saints. Niners and Steelers, um, this game is... Not only have we seen movement, but I think we're going to see more movement because we just saw some break. I'm literally this is why I love doing live TV, guys. Uh, breaking news as we do the show live. Uh, Nick Bosa signed a new gigantic contract. Um, five years, 170 million. And the reason I mention that is because this morning it was noted that he wasn't even going to play or doubtful, questionable to play this week with a dispute. He was not even in the facility. I don't know. There's a lot of discourse between him and the Niners this week about his contract situation. Well, it appears, again, live on the air doing the show, we get the reports uh, that Nick Bosa has signed a gigantic uh, uh, extension, and I'm not going to be surprised if I pull up my odd screen here that we're already seeing a little bit of moving back towards the Niners. So guys, that's kind of where we are with this game. It opened right around the two and a half. Actually, it opened three. There were some threes available with Pittsburgh uh, if, if you were quick. Um, but we've seen that steady movement down over the last week because of this Nick Bosa move, uh, news. And I guess the question that I'll, I'll ask, and we do have a consensus on Pittsburgh here, which is why this is a, a really interesting talking point. Chris, I'll start with you. How much does Nick Bosa move a line, whether he's – it appears now he's obviously going to play with this news. So how much does Nick Bosa uh, move this line? I, I, did I miss something? I thought he was uh, a little banged up. It was only a contract issue? Only a contract. I, mean, it, I, it, I thought the contract was the big sticking point, but he might be banged up too. Because I'm watching everything scroll. There's nothing that's saying he's playing it. Uh, um, but, you know, I, he, he matters. Don't get me wrong. But uh, sure. this game's been back and forth, uh, you know, for a while in the two and a half to three range. And uh, it's it's a heavily bet underdog, which is a little bit of a red flag uh, uh, more often than not. Uh, and that causes me a little bit of concern that uh, there's a lot of Steeler love Uh uh, not only by, uh, you know, Sharps, but the public likes it also. But I just don't think San Francisco is going to be on all cylinders. You know, the offseason distractions. I'm not sold on Purdy yet. Um, I don't know whether I, I worry about their training regimen. It, it always seems like they're so injury prone and, and not conditioned properly for uh, how they should be. And, and Pittsburgh, we know the coaching is, is great. Uh, they had a great preseason. Pre uh, they have home. And what's really important is their schedule is so difficult. There's no give and take in the AFC. They have to have this game. And it is, it, it's, it's the most win. It, there's, this is the, for a team going to the playoffs, this is the most, this is the must win game of mm -hmm. the week for a potential playoff team. Yeah, and I was part of that Pittsburgh one? money throughout the summer. And by the way, uh, kudos. We got a great production team, Ali and, and his crew. And I, I just added a teaser with Pittsburgh as well. I'm on the Steelers plus two. And I tease Pittsburgh plus eight with Washington minus the one. Just put that in. It's interesting. Bosa gets signed and a few, some books have ticked up to two and a half. The market's basically saying, meh. And the reason it's not that Bosa is injured, but is he in, in playing shape? I'm, I'm sure he'll play. How yeah. many plays will he play? How effective will he be? And Kittle's banged up also. So you, you, you're one of your best players on offense 
is banged up and when and your best player in defense is not going to be in game shape. And basically I thought that the the line on this game was fair two to two and a half before the that information. And Chris brings up the great point. No one has looked better than the Steelers in preseason. They were playing the Buffalo Bills starters. Crunch 14 nothing right out right out of the get-go. So Steelers clicking on all cylinders, and I can't get past the monsoon and soldier field when the Bears and Trey Lance were able to beat the uh, Niners to start the year last year. Steelers, I'm on the Steelers, yeah. like I said, plus two. And Steelers, we're going to tease them with our next game with uh, the Washington Commanders. I like it. Again, things happen. And, and it's actually funny because a lot of times I get this, and this is gambler's fallacy superstition on my part, but whenever I'm like, reacting to news trying to get a bet in late because hey this news information just came let's bet it i always get this like oh just stick to your guns you didn't have a play on this game but we were already on this game uh before we we got this news and now we're getting a better number it appears on pittsburgh because i have seen my odds board light up a little bit in the reaction to this signing to go from two, I even saw some one and a half with Pittsburgh uh, on my screen earlier today um, when it was appearing that maybe Bosa wouldn't play. Now it looks like he's going to, and I'm seeing more two and a halves on my board. And and again, if that continues to trend higher, I might be adding another unit on, on Pittsburgh if we get to three. I don't know if we will. I don't think we will, but something to keep an eye on because it, in the NFL markets, a lot of this overreaction, a lot of this news tends to move things sometimes too far. And we're going to get into it at some point this year when we have an injured quarterback and the whole market just goes into a tizzy and the line moves too much in the other direction. And then we get value on the other side. I love when those situations occur because I've got two fantastic experts to break it all down for me. And we are all on consensus here. The Steelers plus two. That is the number we will grade this on. Um, I'm also going to bet the over in this game. And I, I'll be honest, I, I think it's a lot of, of Pittsburgh's offense and their offensive line and maybe where this Niners defense is right now and maybe where the market feels on Kenny Pickett. But if the market, which tends to be lower on a lot of these meme, you know, punchline quarterbacks, um, and I think Kenny Pickett, because of the hand size, because of just the way that, I don't know, the way that he looks, people are, they like to make jokes about him. And for some reason, I think that offers value to the over. Because when I, when I dig into some data, I see some pretty solid stuff with Pickett. Deep ball, catchable rate, highest in the league last year. Uh, under pressure, catchable rate, second highest in the league last year. So got a good offensive line, good weapons. And I think this total is pretty low at 41 uh, with two teams that I think are going to be pretty aggressive offensively, especially the Pittsburgh Steelers. So official play Steelers plus two across the board. And I will dabble with the over at 41. All right. Uh, as Steve's pick mentioned here on the second leg of this teaser is this Cardinals commanders game. And, and this game has some interesting movement to it as well. Um, we saw it open seven now we're, or open six. Now we're up to seven. Uh, total has gotten bet down from 40 uh, down to 38, as you can see that on your screen. Um, so we have the favorite and under correlation pretty clear here. And, and guys, I think a lot of this movement is because of the Josh Dobbs quarterback announcement. Of course, uh, McCoy gets cut in the offseason. They, they sign or they traded for Joshua Dobbs. I don't know what they traded for, um, but they got Joshua Dobbs, and, and now he's their starting quarterback. So Joshua Dobbs, week one, starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. On the road against Washington, Steve, I'll give you first crack because you're the only one that has a look on this game, teasing down the commanders. Yeah, so Dobbs would be obviously an upgrade over Tune, but he's only been in camp for a week, so they have to simplify the playbook for him. T NFL team players don't tank, but organizations 
they have a um, a roadmap that they're looking towards. And when they let McCoy go, the roadmap clearly is for Arizona to look and build towards the future. I've heard some people saying, definitively, Arizona's not going to win a game this year. Well, I hope they don't, because if they don't win any games, they're not going to cover the teaser here because they're only going to be getting <laughs> one point. So I've, so um, I, 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 I think it's going to be a really ugly game. Um, I do like the way Hal played specifically in the game against Baltimore when he broke the 24 game streak and put up 17 points in that first half. Uh, low totals are, are great teasers. Um, so we got a really low total here at 38 and I think, uh, the commandos, yeah, why not? 24, 17 and they get it done on the teaser. Chris, anything for you here? Washington is, I mean, I, actually I'll frame it this way. Is Arizona winning a game this year? Yeah, I think that they will somehow. I think that they will make some effort. Um, they were better off without McCoy because McCoy wasn't going to last more than a game and a half anyway. So, yeah. uh, you're better off getting these other guys in the lineup. I, 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 I'm a believer in Washington. I think they can do, I think they can surprise this season and what constitutes a surprise. I'm not so sure, but, um, I also think, uh, these between these two organizations, whatever can go wrong can pot- will potentially go wrong. Uh, so I don't know what it is. It's just I've stayed off this game, and I agree with everything that Steve said with the low total teaser home. home yeah. uh, in this situation, it, it, it's workable. Uh, but I, I just have not pulled the trigger. I, I just focused on the other games. It's just not a game that interests me. Yeah, the only uh, the only uh, actionable information I'll give you for for how I'm betting this game is Washington will be a survivor selection this week. Um, I, I have three, and I'll I'll randomly bring it up throughout. The, no one cares about my survivor picks, just like no one cares about your fantasy team, right? Um, but a lot of you are in survivor pools, and I will casually drop in um, which games that I'm looking at to uh, pick in survivor this week. This one is very high on the list. I would be willing to bet, um, besides the Ravens, it is the most selected survivor team of the week. I think just fading the Cardinals every week is also a very good strategy uh, in your survivor pools, because if they do indeed go winless, you will still be in the mix. All right, uh, before we move on to the late, that that was the early window games, um, and I... The, the witching hour, that early window on Sunday, week one, man, there's nothing like it. But we got a pretty good slate to get to uh, over the back half of the show with the late window in the primetime. But first, I want to mention, of course, BetUS celebrating our 30th season. We have an iconic giveaway for you. It is the Tough Truck Giveaway. There it is. Look at it going across the screen. Look at that. That's a good-looking truck right there. Um, I'll be honest. I don't even know what a tough truck was until I did this show, and now I do. So there you go. Nice big old truck. Um, there's a way that you can enter the drawing to win that truck. And it is, uh, you can get a free entry if you guess correctly, which one of the three of us is holding the golden ticket, not the Willy Wonka golden ticket, um, that gets you into the chocolate factory, but the golden ticket that will get you a free entry into the tough truck giveaway. Do it in the chat. I haven't seen a lot recently. I saw a couple people pick, uh, which one of you, uh, which one of us might have uh, the ticket, but be sure to mention that in the chat. All I have to do is say Jared has the ticket or Chris has the ticket or Steve has the ticket, and we'll grade that at the end. One lucky winner who picks correctly will get a free entry into the Tough Truck giveaway. Okay, uh, no official plays for us. Cardinals, Commanders, uh, with the exception of Steve's teaser that he added late. Uh, so that gives us now a chance to move into the late window. And this game, uh, lots of selections in this game. And we have been betting not only this game, but this team. Always 
it, it, so far this offseason, and that is the Green Bay Packers, currently a one-point underdog. Um, they opened in the two-and-a-half range. There might have been a three out there at some point, um, and those are long gone now. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if, if this game closed uh, uh, on the minus side for Green Bay when we get to next Sunday. We have seen that total drop beneath the key total of 44-and-a-half, where it opened. Now we're seeing it at 43. Um, guys, to me, this is an easy handicap. The wrong team is favored. You have the better quarterback, the better coach, and the better defense on the road team here. And I think the market is finally starting to catch up on Green Bay. Uh, Steve, I will give you your first crack because it doesn't seem like we have a consensus on the cheese. Yes, this is my Battlestar Galactica false favorite game of the galaxy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The uh, but By the way, um, the way the pros bet, Usually, like, 1% to 3% of our bankrolls would be, like, you know, guidelines in terms of the amount we'll wager. Now, there are some things that, like, we might cash 60% bets on, but that's not going to be an NFL side. That's going to be, like, a prop bet where the number against an opener that has little liquidity. So it's very rare you're going to get a fantastic bet. Um, Green Bay was as high as plus 3 for a little while during the summer. I don't get it. Um, Jared, I don't know if I agree with the better quarterback. I think that's the, the jury's out fields versus love, but they're in the same category. They're close across the board. We got the much better team. Certainly. Well, Chicago's home. You could argue. I would argue. No, they're not. I've seen plenty of green Bay games. I, I went to Northwestern. So I lived in Chicago. There's for whatever reason, the Packers represent in Chicago tremendously well. And look no further than the last four teams, four times these teams have played. I know one of those was a COVID year. On average, the Packers were laying two and a half in those four games. They won them all. They won it by an average of over 11 points, four easy covers. Every one of the covers, you know, was a pretty much a no sweat. What's changed? I think very little. Um, Jordan Love, I think, has looked very good in preseason. People are betting Green Bay over seven and a half with both fists. And I agree that's part of my money as well. Green Bay's going to find a way to win. Let's go ahead and lock this in right now. By the way, um, you're going to hear this all the time. There's no big difference between plus one and minus one. What does it really matter? Well, if you're teasing, it matters everything. So you could still, if you wanted to, you could still tease Green Bay and get them up in a six and a half point teaser up to seven and a half. But um, as soon as that goes to pick, you can't tease them anymore. So it's your last gasp chance to tease Green Bay if you want to get those juicy extra points. Because like Jared mentioned, by Friday, I think it's going to be pick them or Green Bay minus one. I think it's pretty simple. I agree with you guys. The better team is is, is getting a point here. Uh, If if Chicago is going to actually live up to some people's expectations, we'll see it. But show me first. I, I don't see... Anything remotely uh, promising that indicates that the Bears are better than Green Bay in any in any category. So, how can they be the favorite? Yeah, and and I don't want to like later in the year I'll have better numbers on Jordan Love and and how he's playing. What we saw in the preseason was pretty good. What we saw of Justin Fields in the preseason was also pretty good. Um, and I think. To your point, Steve, yes. I think on paper right now, if you ask me who is the better quarterback, if I had to grade them, rank them, yeah, I would probably put Fields slightly in front. But I think I'm personally higher on on Jordan Love's game because he's been in the offense now for three years, and I think he has the better offensive line, and I think he's got the better defense. And I think all three of those things, while you're right, 
stacking up pound for pound, Justin Fields might be better. But when you take that full picture of what the Packers are compared to what the Bears are, I think a lot more of the game has to fall on Justin Fields' shoulders. He has to be infinitely better or else the Bears have no chance. Where if Jordan Loves just plays steady, Eddie makes the right reads, hits a couple of open downfield passes. They've got this new bright, shiny tight end, Luke Musgrave. I can't wait to see him roam the middle of the field. Then I think the Packers are better suited to win. And that's why uh, the fact that we're getting, and, and I got a plus price on the money line last week when, when Steve came on our uh, win total show last week. Um, and said, hey, you guys need to bet Green Bay now because they're going to have a minus sign in front of them. And I, I heeded that advice. And now I'm feeling good about the money line bet. And now, as Steve also alluded to, I think the plus one makes more sense. So if you can't find even odds or plus 105 on the money line, feel comfortable betting one. And, and we have a consensus here across the board. We are all taking the penny um, with the Packers, hopefully not pinching that penny too much when we get to Sunday. And it's a long, lengthy blowout for Green Bay as that dominance over Chicago continues. All right, let's move on. Um, great divisional matchup here. Fascinated to hear um, what you guys think of the Raiders and the Broncos. So this opened three and a half. And we did see this get up to as high as five and a half with Denver almost laying uh, six full points here. Um, but then that Jerry Judy happened. Uh, uh, Jerry Judy injury took place on August 24th. And from that point forward, we started to see the line creep back down towards Vegas. And now you're sitting right right at the open uh, at three and a half there. Um, as you would expect, of course, the total moved down slightly off of that key of 44 and a half. I'm seeing 44 in the marketplace. So it's kind of telling us, Chris, that Judy's worth about two points. I don't know if that's too many. Um, but from five and a half to three and a half, we, we've seen, and I don't know if there's something else contributing to maybe the line moving down on Vegas, but that's the only, you know, nugget from August 24th on, which was the high of five and a half to now back down to three and a half. Do you think the Jerry Judy injury will have that big of an impact on this game for this Broncos offense? Well, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, they had another injury the week before. Uh, I think Tim Patrick. So cluster injury at wide receiver. Yeah. No. Sure. So, you know, that, that starts to add up. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a believer in Denver this season, uh, but I think Judy is very important to them, and I think they are going to need a little time to settle in and get on a roll. And in this particular division, in between these two teams, there's no love lost between them, and the Raiders are now whole. They 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 sign their players. They're there. Uh, they've got good players. And Garoppolo is so underrated and disrespected. He's lifetime 57% against the spread. You're always getting extra value with a guy that has experience and uh, is a little bit more predictable. And uh, in this situation, I'm willing to take some points. I'm supposed to take some points based on week one history, but I like it anyway. And we're getting an opportunity here. There's a, a very well-respected group called Right Angle Sports that um, does great work, and they were on the Denver Broncos here, and two minutes after they released, Jerry Judy went down. And I assure you, they're not going to come back over the top and say, never mind, play the other side, because you just can't do that. But I'm sure they did that in their own betting when they, yeah. when they got hit with this news. Um, you know, uh, shout out to my buddy Teddy Covers, because I told him, you know, the Broncos are tremendous in week one and week two of the season when they're home, because teams aren't in football shape. They go to the altitude, they're gassed. And so the Bron all the Broncos do is win. And I knew that there was a trend. There was a stretch. They were like 18 and two straight up. They haven't been that good lately. I don't really know why. Um, I think they're just like three and two and they haven't been covering. So that trend is eroded. Um, 
and the spread was a lot lower. During the summer, you could have laid two on Denver. So any game you could have laid two that's now still on the wrong side of three when there's cluster injuries. You mentioned, you know, Patrick and Judy hurt for um, uh, a team that, frankly, we have major concerns about Russell Wilson. And is he just washed? And, you know, with the evolution of the defense of the NFL taking away the deep ball, um, that makes him less effective. So... Uh, gun to the head, I'll lean with you with uh, the Raiders at the three and a half. Yeah, I, I just capped this as a field goal game on both sides. I I, I think this kind of stays within that three margin. That's why two is probably a good bet on Denver, Steve, as you alluded to, that was there early this summer. And a three and a half, especially if you get a four, you know, if, if we do get a little bit of push towards Denver back to where we were before those cluster injuries, then yeah, and I, I did see some fours available in the market, but we'll call it three and a half here on uh, Bet US. And 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 I think uh, Chris and I are, are are on the right side of this one, especially anything over the hook there with with Vegas. Listen, I, I as as long as as long as Jimmy G's upright and week one, he's the healthiest he's gonna be all year. Um, I, I think he is. He offers a little bit of value here, and I think as long as the total sits at 44, I, I think I, I'm on the underside of this too, just because of what Denver is, and 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 as you guys alluded to, with the altitude being an issue, I could certainly see this being a slower-paced game. I could see this being a running game. Listen, Vegas led the. Josh Jacobs won the rushing title last year, so I, I could see this being one of those slight, tight slog type of divisional games, 1916, something like that. Maybe Denver gets the win, but I do think the Raiders are, are in for the cover. So I'll go Vegas and under. Uh, Chris is on Vegas straight up here, uh, getting the three and a half, and uh, Steve is sitting this one out, but he's rooting for the Raiders, our hometown Raiders, Steve. Come on. Vegas gets off to a fast start, perhaps on the road. All right, uh, another West game, West Coast game here. Uh, this game will be played at SoFi Stadium. It's the Dolphins and the Chargers. Um, L.A. was a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but now we're seeing it up to that key of three. Um, I'll be honest, when you see the total, it opened 50 and now bet up through 51, which is another key total. We mentioned 44, 51 being the other big one to keep an eye on. Now we're up past that key total of 51. So up to 51 and a half. So the sharps clearly like, uh, favorite and over here, but, uh, Fez, you think maybe the underdog on Miami worth a little bit of a gander? Yeah. So I'm going to go first of many movie references in the eighties. So the movie, big Tom Hanks. He sees this um, presentation about why you should play the Chargers in the, in this game, and he's like, he's like, I I I don't get I don't I don't get it. I I just I don't get it. Someone has to explain this to me why the Sharps would even consider playing the Chargers. I get it. The Dolphins are a fragile team, and will Tua be around come November? I don't know, mm. but he'll be there week one, and that offense is great. And I have these two teams rated at equal. All right, give three for home field. Well, in what universe are we going to give the L.A. Chargers more than one point? One point. Anything. The... I'll be honest. Sometimes it works against them, Steve. Yes. I'm just, Depending they on who they to, play. They, um, the, the, the fact the other team has to travel, but who cares? It's week one. Yeah. Um, so I'll be generous and give the Chargers one point for home field, which makes the Chargers one. I know that Miami had the O-line injury, and so that pushed this line up to three. This is going to be a really close game. It's going to be 24-all. And you're gonna if if you if you've got under 51, you're drawing dead to the win, basically. Although the Chargers do seem to like excel at trying to tie. Um, if you have under 51 and a half, you're probably gonna get there. And unless you get really unlucky in overtime, you're gonna push or you're gonna win with Miami. So gobble up the plus three, even though money's been all on the Chargers, but not any iota on the screen. 
And so what I see a lot of times people like they see the screen moving and then they they sound like this great expert, like they can predict lines and like, well, the, there's been no money on Miami. The money will come, in my opinion, Miami plus three. And you heard it here. It'll close two and a half. Chris, what do you think? This closes under three or do you think the Chargers continue to eat up some of that equity in the market as we get closer to this one? Well, actually, I'm, I'm seeing data that, you know, locations that are public elsewhere that uh, the, the, the public likes Miami in this situation. So oh, wow. it is getting some play. I'm going to sit back and watch this. This is a very interesting game. There's so many unknowns. Uh, why get involved? Two quality teams, um, two potential bet on or bet against teams. Let, let's see what, what shakes out on it. Uh, that's where I'm at. It's just a good game to watch. Yeah, this is going to be so there's two things, two major volatility points that make this to me a very interesting watch, but not something I'm as interested to bet on. You have the offensive coordinator of the Chargers brand new and he wants to make a statement. Kellen Moore, he's going to be a head coach at some point, And I think he's going to prove that this year with how he manages Justin Herbert, who might have the best arm talent in the entire league. And on the other side, you have Vic Fangio, who's a very well-respected defensive coordinator who has been brought in. You need, what's the show on the Food Network where they bring in Gordon Ramsay to try to fix the kitchen, right? I don't know what it's called. Um, you know, they have all these kitchen problems and this cooks this and it's not clean. That's what Vic Fangio is this Dolphins defense because the Dolphins defense was was the one thing that was really holding them back from being an elite team besides the Tua injury last year. And they brought in Fangio to kind of fix it. Jalen Ramsey getting hurt in the offseason is not going to help. But they do have a very formidable front seven. So can the Dolphins' new new look defense with Fangio slow down the bright and shiny new Chargers offense with Kellen Moore? That is the matchup to watch in this game. And, and I'll be honest, I have no idea because both of those units are brand spanking new. And we could see some interesting wrinkles week one. But uh, Fez is... Back in the fish here, taking the three points with Miami, thinking this one is going to be tight. Um, and I think he's right, Steve. I, I think you're right. I do think this will probably come off the three before game time. But um, ugh, I don't know. That defense, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, speaking of defense, this game is definitely going to feature some defense. I am fascinated to watch um, how both of these offenses come out, especially it's the Eagles and the Patriots. It is a an old Super Bowl matchup. Um, from very recently and from also years past. These teams have played each other in the Super Bowl multiple times over the last couple of decades. Um, but Philly's opened as a five-point favorite. We saw that line move just a little bit towards the home dog there, now to four. It did touch three and a half last week. It looks like that's the low point in the market is now we're seeing water find its level right around that four point. Uh, total open, 46. Not a huge move there, down to 45, as we do see a little money on the under. We actually have two bets on this game from our two experts. One on the side and one on the total. I will let the side go first. Las Vegas Chris thinks New England might keep things a little close at home against the defending NFC champs. Well, New England's in similar shape as Pittsburgh. They have to have this game. You know, it, uh, if they don't start off with this win, they, they already have one of the, if not the worst schedule, one of the very worst schedules. They have to have this game. Maximum effort. They have the home field advantage. And you would, the Super Bowl losers, week one, have an atrocious yeah. record, week one. So you're asking them to go out on the road and cover points against Bill Belichick. And uh, New England, uh, they do have players. They do have players. They have coaches. Uh, I think the Eagles benefited from a weak schedule last year, and they had a lot of lucky breaks. And 
I think things are going to be going down a little bit of a different road for the Eagles. I think I still think they'll have a great season, but I don't think they're going to be as good as people think they are. And New England is, is not junk. And uh, they have to put out the maximum effort game one here. So I'll take my chances game one on the Patriots. Jared, I've been thinking about Hell's Kitchen and Gordon Ramsay. And if you get a chance that's, to go to Vegas. That's what it's called. There you go. Hell's if Kitchen. A, there you if go. If you get a chance to go to Vegas, go to the one in Caesar's Palace. And you can overlook the fountains that Evil Knievel wiped out. You're trying to, like, uh, jump over and uh, get the lobster risotto. It's excellent. And uh, do uh, make sure you bring your wallet. It's not an expensive, great experience. Yeah, yeah, I'll be in Hell's Kitchen after I see the bill is what I'll be. Get it comped. <laughs> get it comped. Um, the... You know, I look at the Eagles, I look at their road games, and part of my money is has been this under from 46 to 45. Part of that was my money. Uh, I fully supported it. It's a play even at 45. 45 is an important number, so um, I wouldn't play it at 44 and a half, but grab the 45. Look at some of these road results for the Eagles. Uh, at Washington, only 32 points scored. At Arizona, 37 uh, at Indy, 33. At Chicago, 45. At Houston, 46. So there's five of their uh, road games last year that were at 46 or less. Uh, when the Eagles get a big lead at half, oftentimes they're very conservative and they just go ahead and sit on the ball. They were great in the first half. Gut feel here. I think that New England's offense is not much again. I think they're going to struggle. But I, in Belichick, I trust to muck it up against the Super Bowl losers. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see the first half, 9-6, somebody's ahead, and this game just from the get-go is slow. I'm on the under 45. I can see it. I can see it now. I'm doing my Bill Belichick impression. He was probably watching the Super Bowl in February when these Eagles were playing, taking all of these copious notes, and he has had seven months to prepare for this game. Um, and you get the Eagles. A fantastic point by uh, Bruno in the chat. Brand new coordinators, offense and defense for the Eagles. Yeah. So I, I do think I'm very high on Philly's roster. Just like the Niners, those two teams – one through 53 are the deepest in their respective conferences and divisions too. But in the NFC, it's Eagles 1A, it's Niners 1B in terms of the best rosters. But I could see week one and the hangover from losing the Super Bowl last year. That is a thing, as Chris alluded to. And I am not just pedal down that Philly is going to run the table early in this game. However, they have been really good in the first halves. Um, last year and and in this Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni era. So it, that's the one thing that they have exceeded in. But I'll be honest, that can be maybe chalked up to a little bit of randomness as well because it's only been one year and I think teams adjust and Bill Belichick is the master of that. So I, I fully support both picks here. I think the only one I will get to the window on is the under um, because I just I, – I think this is a fantastic total – and based on the fact that it's over that that key of 44, I think the one thing that is hesitating me from getting the window on the Pats is just the uncertainty I have with that offense. But if anyone can keep things close, um, it's Belichick and company. Really interesting game. Eagles at Patriots week one. Chris on the Pats plus four. Fez on the under 45. I will likely tail our pal Steve on that under. All right. Uh, a very Speaking of the NFC uh, uh, in terms of rosters that might be able to contend, Maybe we're putting the next team on uh, on our chart here on that list, and that's the Seattle Seahawks, who opened as a six-point favorite at home to the Los Angeles Rams. This is our final game of the Sunday <clears throat> afternoon window, but we have seen some movement on the road dog here, all the way down to four as of last week. But 
Then the Cooper Cup news hit the market, and that has pushed this line back to where it pretty much opened at, right at around five and a half, six. We saw that total open 46 and a half get bet up to 48. And then after the Cup news, get smashed back down to right around where it opened 46, 46 and a half. So, Chris, I'll start with you because uh, you were on the Rams. I- I'm curious, did you bet this before or after the Cooper Cup news? And, and-, and does Cooper Cup status change your feeling on this selection? Just very disappointed in this game because uh, there's there was no way this line should have been six, uh, and and sure enough, uh, it did go down to four, and then they announced Cup is not going to be in basically, and now it's backward. You know, it started, but uh, I, I I'm surprised that the Rams were not able to come out of preseason uh, unscathed. I mean, they we, the ball the ball game should have been sit everybody. Get it, make sure they make it to week one. That's what I was counting on, and they missed a key cog. I, you know, Seattle's banged up and has holes this week also, and they did not finish the season well last year. They kind of, you know, tailed off. You just have your uh, Geno Smith, who had the once in a lifetime career, and you're at, and you're expecting him to come back and do it again after he gets his big payday. Well, I'm not so sure. The two times that they played each other last season, the Rams had third-string quarterbacks, and both games were, you know, within this point spread. So, and they were decimated. This is when Seattle was on fire and doing well and kicking butt, taking no prisoners, and the Rams were still coming within the number. Now we've got this, you know, this, you know, a handful of starters back. The defense is a big question, I know, but the divisional rivalry, the way that uh, McVay starts off the season. The, the a mostly healthy team. Uh, I still like uh, the Rams plus the points. I wish Cup was in there. I would like the Rams to win outright if he had been in there. Unfortunately, I'm hoping for the cover at this point. Yeah, I'd be remiss not to say we talked about the value of non-quarterbacks and Cooper Cup is one of those 66 players worth a half point or more. He's worth more than half a point. He's worth about a point. So that makes sense. Um, but I guess Justin Jefferson might be worth a point and a half. Almost everyone else in the league's only worth one. Uh, great point by, I believe, Junior Brown just uh, mentioned how atrocious that Rams defense may be. So yeah. the perception is the Rams are an under team. I don't know with that defense. There might be higher scoring Rams games, but I have nothing on the side here. I'm kind of on the fence on the Rams. I, I want to fade the roster, but... I do think if Matthew Stafford's healthy, the offensive line last year was really bad, and they have made a few tweaks to it this year. Um, I could see him having some really high upside games, but as a lot of people, I mean, again, if if we're talking about it here on the show, if the chat is talking about it, it's common knowledge that the Rams' defense is a bit undermanned, and they're still in that reloading period from the Super Bowl where they basically spent – every dime that they had next year's dime, then the draft picks of this year and this year, this was the first year where they actually drafted double digit players. They actually drafted the most players this year than any other prior year in the McVay era. And they're trying to replenish the coffers. It's a slow process. I don't think this is the year where you'll see the fruit of those vines get picked, but maybe next year. So I want to, I want to jump off the Rams bandwagon really hard because the roster might take a nosedive, but I don't think we're at that phase yet. 
when the attrition of the season sets in is when I think that will happen. And we're not there yet. Again, week one, everyone's as healthy as they will likely be the entire season, with the exception of Cooper Cup, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I can totally get behind uh, Chris's take here on the Rams, especially if you get six. But for the purpose of the show, we'll give out Rams plus five and a half, the only official selection on this game. And that concludes our Sunday afternoon window. It's time for the primetime games, right? The get-back games, as they call it. After you've gone through the full slate on Sunday afternoon, now you're trying to figure out how do we get back our money or hopefully protect our profits from a Sunday in the NFL. And it starts with the Cowboys and the Giants. Sunday night football there in MetLife Stadium in the the swamps of Jersey. Uh, This one opened three on Dallas, and we've seen just a slight movement there off the uh, key. But again, you got to pay if you want to take three in the hook with the Giants. Total open 47, just a tick down to 46 and a half. Nothing considerable there yet. Uh, so on, on its surface, guys, this feels like a good spot for the home divisional underdog. I am guessing one of you has a good reason not to pull the trigger on the Giants. Chris, do you have any opinion on this game as we get into the primetime action on Sunday night? Um. Yeah, this fits the you know the criteria. Divisional home dog, uh, uh, great results. But if you go and you take it one step further and look at it from a few different angles, now all of a sudden the trend isn't all that good. In fact, it's painfully in Dallas's favor. So, uh, and it basically considers the the years the team's previous year's performance. Mm. Uh, and the uh, equality of those teams. So uh, if you isolate that stat, which is really bad for the Giants, uh, it makes me just stay off of the game. I just, we don't know exactly what we have with these Giants. Uh, uh, I'm not a, I'm not one of these Debbie Downers on the Giants. Uh, I think that they could do better than people think for whatever reason. They've got a daunting schedule that's going to be rough. Uh, But the coaching's there for sure. Maybe Jones comes out uh, in blossoms this year. Uh, we don't know. Let's watch. Don't have to bet every game. And if you Steve. do bet this game, um, Javier Lorenzo chimes in. He likes the money line on the Giants. I would encourage you not to play the money line on a game like this that's lined at 3.25. And here's why. You're really not going to ever be able to get a bargain on the money line. It's going to be what the market is. But if you like the Giants, you're going to find a three and a half. And if you like Dallas, you're going to find a minus three. And both of those are going to be superior to the money line bets. Also would be remit remit to not mention Jared, of course, is speaking tongue in cheek about the get out game and bailout game on Sunday night. If you're down big and you have to pay your man the next day, whatever you do, don't bet who I like. Don't bet who Chris likes. Well, you can bet who we like, but you make your normal size bet. You don't suddenly try to get even at the end of the weekend with one game and 3% of bankroll should be your maximum wager. Stick to that guideline. Steve is the the, the principal and uh, Chris, the vice principal of our gambling committee here. Um, or I guess maybe co, co-chairs, however you want to slice up. And I am absolutely the uh, secretary or the uh, you know the entry-level candidate trying to move my way up the ladder. Um, and that I used to do that all the time. I when I was in my younger days of gambling, oh, rough day in the NFL. Star, just stop it. God. <laughs> All right, fine. Moving on. Monday, I, I don't have a, I don't have a real strong opinion on this game. Besides, I love Brian Dable, and I absolutely think the Giants are a team that 
will be a buy on team as a dog at some point this year. I don't necessarily know it's week one because this this rivalry has been owned by Dallas over the years. Um, and there will be a lot of Dallas fans in the stands. I would say besides Texas, the most per capita Cowboys fans in the entire world happen to be in New York City. Don't ask me why, but it's just a thing. I guess it's America's team, but this is not just going to be a raucous Giants crowd. There's going to be a lot of Cowboys love uh, for a primetime game here, um, and I, I think this is going to be a real fun one. If I had to pick it, I would take the three and a hook, but I, I could see Dallas blowing this out. All right, Monday night, another divisional home underdog. Surprise, surprise. We get two of these back-to-back -back in primetime. Bills and the Jets. Um, Buffalo open one. We saw the movement there towards Buffalo. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of surprised, especially because the Jets have had all the hard knocks love. Usually that gives the public side a little bit of a bump, especially the home underdog that's getting blasted on HBO for three straight weeks. But we are seeing now two and a half on Buffalo. Total open 47. Not a ton of movement, just a tick down. The biggest question I have, neither of us have a pick on this game, just like neither of us had a pick on the other primetime game. But uh, Chris, I'll, I'll start with you. Do, do, do we get a three here? Because I'm shocked that we've seen movement towards Buffalo. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe we wait long enough, we maybe get a three. Well, this is one game on uh, the middle of last week or the start of last week that I wanted to get off my table. Uh, and uh, because I thought for sure, because I was going to be out of commission for a handful of days, I thought this line would have been picked by now. I have yeah. no idea how it keeps on rising. And uh, I, I feel very confident at some point Jets money is going to come pouring in. Uh, I, I, are people dreaming that it's going to hit three? Uh, I, I just don't know, but there are so many, you know, great reasons, uh, situational-wise, week one to be on the Jets here. Uh, it, it's it's remarkable. It's just a, it's a great situation for the Jets. Teasing them, money line, yeah. point spread, everything. Aaron Rodgers history. Uh, Boston's not, or I mean, Buffalo's not whole. Uh, it, it's. They've got their issues a little bit. Uh, I think it's a great spot for the Jets. I, I, the Jets, before they started to get really banged up, were on a freaking roll last year. And I, I was ahead of the market on it with my model. And just when it was going to pay dividends, you know, they had the cluster defense injuries in the quarterback situation. And uh, this team has potential to do very, very well. And, and they're going. this has to be a game that they show up in. So uh, kudos to my buddy, the Hitman, at Hitman428 on Twitter, who alerted me in the middle of the summer when this line was close to pick him. He's like, you want Buffalo, you get at it now. There's some big yeah. groups that think the Bills are undervalued based upon cornerbacks being banged up at the end of last year and um, their quarterback as well being banged up, Josh Allen. So um, And Josh Allen runs more in these high-leverage games, so that helps the Bills. But now that line's gone from pick all the way to two and a half. I, directionally, I agree with Chris. I'm going to wait in terms of, he mentioned the money line. We're not, we're not betting a money line on the Jets if we can get three. So if we can get three, we're, we're forget the money line. We're, we're taking three, but we might not get three. And then we got to go ahead and adjust. And at that point, I'll probably do some teasing with the Jets to some week two games. And yeah. I will look to possibly play the money line, but only if I can't get the three. This is one of those games, Jared, you and I, we might be like going down to the Golden Nugget or other Vegas shops, you know, square ball shops in Vegas. Sorry, sorry. I, I hate to call some place a square ball versus like a big book like BetUS, but you're probably not going to get the three at BetUS. 
And at these smaller books with lower limits, you may well. So um, it's nice to live in Vegas or in a place like that might have like that caters more to purely recreational betters. But I'm I'm with Chris. I I want the three. I want it bad. Yes. We get a three here. I'll be shocked. I really will be. I mean, this game checks so many boxes for money to come in on the Jets. The hard knocks thing aside, like to me, that is that is part of it. But Aaron Rodgers, new team, home dog Monday night. Like I just I would be shocked if we get a three. But if we do, I will be hitching a ride with Steve to whatever random shop is in town and we will be un- unloading on the Jets plus two, uh, plus three. I-, I would move this up now in a teaser. I, I think if you want to tease, and the reason why this is a great teaser spot, too, to Chris's point from earlier in the show, is it's a standalone game. So we can tease any game we want on Sunday, and then we could tease the Jets up in that second leg, and we could literally be going to sleep with that ticket under our pillow on Sunday night with plenty of time to react, change our minds, whatever we want to do. Um, so I love this as a teaser spot for the Jets, especially uh, now we get it up to eight and a half as the line is currently sitting at two and a half on BetUS. But officially no plays for us on this game, which then takes us to what I think is the most exciting part of the show um, is the best bets. Which really, it's just our all of our bets um, from the entire show. So let's take a look right now and recap what we are on today. Um it's a lot, guys. I'll be honest. I was trying to limit myself to just three bets in uh, week one, but I got to five. Um, and there you can see them all on your screen. I won't read through them all because, again, you could see them on our screen. Um, but there's a lot of pl- – here's the one thing I'd notice, and I'll give you one last little crack before we move on to our final, uh, final segment here. Um, Chris, it seems like every single bet you have – and same thing with you, Steve, with the exception of the one teaser on Washington – Everything has a plus sign next to the name. And that kind of aligns with the open. See how we bookend the show? We started by telling you that underdogs, week one, 56%. Visional underdogs, 70%. And lo and behold, we pull up the screen at the end, guys. Every single pick, with the exception of one teaser leg for Steve, is all on the underdog side of the market. Chris, it seems like we're following our own advice. We are. I, I don't. Uh, I don't consciously uh, go out of my way to only uh, gravitate toward underdogs, though. Uh, so it would be. Uh, uh, sorry, but I had to place a bet there. Um, so I'm not intentionally chasing all the plus numbers. There, there are times when I'm on the favorites. Uh, I just think that this particular week, uh, you know, maps out that way, uh, situationally, and uh, it, it may be all favorites one week and uh, a week coming up. Yeah. Chris or Steve, all, all all dogs for us this week, except for that one uh, teaser leg on the fave. Fifty six percent over a ten year period, which makes a lot of sense because of the recreational betters betting a lot of the games up. I'm on board. I want the pluses. Yes, pluses, baby. All right. Speaking of plus, a plus EV move is uh, submitting a guess for our golden ticket reveal um, because now is the time in the show where I get to announce who is the winner. And this winner will get a free entry into our Tough Truck giveaway. And that winner this week, drumroll please, is John Davis. I actually don't know who had the um, the golden ticket. I guess we'll see it on our screen. Uh, there it is, right there. Steve had the golden ticket. Um, so for those of you that guessed Steve, you are correct. But unfortunately, only one 
person can win the prize. And look at, see, that's how you win, right? You grease the wheels and you say the only two-time winner of the LV Super Contest. Of course, that is the one and the only Steve Fezzel. You can find him only at pregame.com. And he is our golden ticket winner for today. John Davis, you get the free entry into the Tough Truck giveaway. Um, And we're going to do that every week. So every week we'll do the same thing. You'll guess who has the golden ticket. At the end of the show, we'll flash a little golden ticket banner. Maybe I'll win it next week. Maybe that'll be the gold star that Chris is alluding to next week. Maybe Jared, I'll get I would say there's ticket. less than a 20% chance they will give me the gold ticket weeks one and week two. So don't take me next week. See? You get yeah. gambling advice even on something we're not even wagering on. And that's why... This is the best darn NFL betting show out there. And I'm not biased at all. There, I said it. Um, For Las Vegas, Chris at Steve Fezzik, I am Jared Smith. We appreciate your time here on the BetUS program. Week one, this week, does it get any better than the NFL? It definitely doesn't. We'll be back next week to recap it and, of course, get you more picks. But until then, good luck. Go cash some tickets.